We're talking free agency today. It is June 25th. Free agency now. Now Kyrie Irving's quote of Ask Me July 1st doesn't hold up quite as well because it should have been Ask Me June 30th. Because now free agency is starting June 30th, 6 p.m. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. And I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And we're just going to be talking with five days to go in free agency. We're just going to be talking all free agency today. And I am very, very excited for my guest today. Not because he's anybody new. Not because his personal presence is particularly exciting to me. And yes, I mean that with personal offense. Uh, But because for the first time in the many times he's been on this podcast, I can say I'd like to welcome my colleague at The Athletic, Ben Standing. Wow, that is uh, somebody yesterday introduced me. I was I was on the radio and they introduced me as with being with the athletic, and I was like, oh, that actually happened. That actually happened. I, that's wow. How about that? Yeah, what a world, Fred. I'm glad that uh, David Aldridge had, was pretty good with the uh, salary cap maneuvering. Had a trade exception to work out, and uh, here we are. David David is a hell of a recruiter. I can personally vouch for that. So. Uh, he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, jokes aside, obviously it goes without saying, uh, very exciting to be here, to, uh, to, to to be about nine months ago, other than that he at some point hosted the Locked on Thunder podcast, and I'm like, oh boy, who's this guy? And then he uh, comes in and kicks ass, and now I'm like, oh yeah, I want to work with that guy. So uh, here we go. It all worked out. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's talk, let's talk free agency. Um. Where are we starting? There's so much to go over. The Wizards have a number of free agents. I'm just going to list off the free agents because some people might not know. We'll I'll have a starting point. So the guys still on the roster, obviously Bradley Beal, John Wall. Uh, I'm just looking at a roster and picking through them right now because I'm extremely organized. But Bradley Beal, John Wall, Dwight Howard, Troy Brown, um, Jordan McRae has a non-guarantee. His contract guarantees on, what is it, July 12th. I should know that because I'm the person who reported it. Uh, Yamahimi is also on the roster. And uh, and after that, they have pretty much, oh, Tarek Phillip as well is also non-guaranteed. And after that, they pretty much have a blank slate on the roster. They've got Thomas Sadoransky as one of their three restricted free agents, along with Thomas Bryant and Bobby Portis. Trevor Ariza is unrestricted. Jeff Green is unrestricted. Jason Randall, I guess, and Sam Decker could be restricted free agents, but my guess this is an educated guess. My guess is the Wizards will not make them qualifying offers, and thus those guys will end up being unrestricted free agents because I think if they made the qualifying offers, those guys would just take them. Uh, and uh, and then you got Ariza, you've got Jeff Green, and you've got uh, Jabari Parker as your unrestricted free agents who they could potentially bring back, but if they don't want to come back, they're not coming back. Uh, let's get into it right now. Let's just let's just fill out the roster because you've got, in terms of just guaranteed guys, obviously you've got Rui Hachimura, who they drafted number nine overall as well. So you've got seven guaranteed guys. Is that correct? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah. So you can't, wait, is that counting McCray? Or, no, I mean, I'm basically that's counting. not counting McCray okay. because McCray doesn't guarantee okay. until July 12th. They can get rid of him for nothing until July 12th. So until then, <clears> until <throat> we hear definitively that McCray is going to stick around, which it's very possible he does, by the way. But just from a contractual standpoint, he is non-guaranteed. So you could get rid of him if you wanted to bring in, let's say, someone who is redundant with his skill set who you think does it better than him. You can do that and get rid of him before July 12th. So 
Uh, we're going to operate as if McRae is not a guaranteed guy because right now he's not a guaranteed guy. So right now you got Bradley Beal, you got John Wall, you got Troy Brown, you got Yamahimi, you got Dwight Howard, you got Rui Hachimura. Right? One other person? Uh, uh, I mean, Admiral Schofield, are we counting him? No. Second rounder is not guaranteed. All right. We're, can, we're, we're, we're going literal. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's how, that's how we, we are counting guys against the cap. Uh, eventually, eventually, Rui Hachimura will sign for probably 120% of his rookie scale deal, which is what you normally get from guys. They are not going to have cap room, by the way. They are not going to have cap room. I know people talk about. I know people talk about. Well, the Wizards, you know, they've only got some guys on their deal. They they could they could have cap room if they stretch Jan Mahimi and all these things. They are not going to have cap room because they would like to re-sign Thomas Bryant. They would like to re-sign Thomas Sadoransky, and because of that, they're going to leave those guys cap holds on the books, and cap holds counts against your cap room, and so they're going to operate as an above-the-cap team this summer because those guys' cap holds get them close enough to the cap that they are actually better off being over the cap. Because if they operate, if the mid-level exception this year is going to be about, projects to be about $9.2 million for the 2019-20 season. If you are $10 million below the cap or so, $8 million below the cap, which is where they'd be if they just renounced the rest of those guys, uh, and they just kept Thomas Sadoransky and, and Thomas Bryan on their books, then it's really no difference. And the problem is you'd have to renounce all these other guys. You wouldn't be able to sign Jabari Parker, or you wouldn't be able to re-sign him with bird rights and those sorts of things. So, which meaning you can't go over the cap to re-sign him, meaning you basically lose those guys. You lose Bobby Portis. You lose the rest of those guys. So they are they are going to operate as an over-the-cap team, they're going to have the mid-level exception to work with, which is going to start at about $9.2 million. A four-year deal with the mid-level exception uh, would be a shade under $40 million, 39 point something over four years. Uh, I don't see them necessarily giving out four-year deals unless it's a guy they absolutely love. We'll see. We will see what they end up doing there. But let's 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 just talk about, to start off, the uh, – the guys who they would like to bring back. Thomas Bryant. Well, Thomas can, I, can I ask you or can I make one comment about the roster itself? So mm-hmm. so you're technically being you're being literal, which is a reasonable way to do. I I, I you know, you're you know, you're a, you're you're a veteran. You you're not you're not assuming anything happens and that's totally a reasonable point. Allow me to play the role of Mr. Hypothetical for for a half a second here. It kind of feels like, I mean, even though we've been talking about the fact that the Wizards don't have like a lot of guys on the roster, or at least pre-draft, on some level they kind of do. If we if we do sort of project a little bit, again, I, let me say the names here in sort of a depth charty way. I'm not saying this is the second unit or the third unit, but just hypothetically, you, you got Rory Hachimura, you got Admiral Schofield. I mean, one way or the other, they will be on the team. And by the way, I'm just talking pure bodies. I'm not talking salary cap the way Fred was. So you got Hachimura and Schofield. Jan Mahimi, I, I think, will be on the team. I don't know. One year left doesn't make any point to stretch him at this stage. You got Jan Mahimi. You've got Troy Brown. And again, I'm assuming Jordan McRae will be around, though you make the correct point. If something comes in there, falls in their lap in free agency, he could be an odd man out. But just for argument's sake, Jordan McRae, he's good. You know, he can score. They like his, him in the locker room, all that. So that's like your just general second unit. 
they signed Justin Robinson. Did we, I don't know if did we talk about that. They signed Justin Robinson. Presumably, he's on the roster somehow. Uh, you mentioned Tariq Phillip. Again, non-guaranteed. They definitely are intrigued by this kid, and he's sort of the first lab case of sort of the Tommy Shepard's approach to being more data-driven. Um, and, and so I think he's got a real shot to make the team. John Wall's on the roster, right? He's not going anywhere, so he's on the team. And I think there's a decent chance that Aaron White actually shows up this time. Not enough to say, you know, it's a lock and, and, and all that, but I think there's a decent chance. I, I just named nine guys, I think. So that, that takes us effectively six to fourteen on the roster. We'll leave the last spot open since they typically do. Now, again, to Fred's point, we can, you know, the, the Wizards don't have to keep some of those guys. And even some of the guys we assume will be back, trades could happen, you know, who knows. But on some level, they do kind of have the roster filled out. The only guys who are, who are left I did, we out of this equation are Beal and Dwight Howard. And I don't necessarily know if Dwight will be around, but at the moment, though, that would effectively leave three starter spots open. So I'm not saying, again, they, they technically everything Fred says is right. Uh, there's lots of room to maneuver well, not 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 lots of room, but lots of roster room to remove to maneuver. But if they do have their sights set on some of these guys already that they, that they have in or may bring in, in the case of White, then they kind of don't. So it is actually kind of interesting that after at least for me, after all this time of saying I don't have anybody on the team, they actually may be a little more filled out than we think if all these guys actually stick. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though. Pretty much none of the people you just named is an NBA player. Oh, if that, you that, have that, that roster, you are like like the 2012 Bobcat Bobcats would look at that roster and be like, "Ooh, beyond Bradley Beal." Oh, so so that's not like yeah, some of those guys might stick. Like Jordan McRae could totally be on the team next year, and you know what? A great thing for Jordan McRae is that Tommy Shepard, as Ted Leonsis said to the Washington Post last week, is going to be running free agency because he is going to have a decision. There, there are a few guarantee dates that's going to trigger McRae, trigger McRae's entire contract does not trigger on July 12th. There's another date uh, as we get into the fall, and there's another date at the start of the season. So there, there are it kind of progressively guarantees a, a certain number is guaranteed July 12th. I forget exactly what it was. Again, I reported it, so I should know, but it's something in six figures. Uh, so he could be released later, but a good thing for him is that Tommy Shepard is going to be running free agency, which, and Tommy Shepard is the one who signed him to that deal. So, so, and so that, it's going to work out well for him. My point about even Tariq Phillip, who a guy like I, we, we could easily dismiss. But he is somebody that I mean, he he was signed a couple of days after Tommy Shepard took over. So, uh, but there it, are a it, lot of under- deals like that on losing teams that get it. You know, you look at this guy Billy sure. Garrett who just signed with the Knicks last second, and the Knicks just turned down his option. Uh, and it was a Paul similar. <laughs> it was a it was a similar type of deal to the Philip deal. Like you get that on losing teams a lot, and they just let guys go. Like I am not operating. I think a greater chance is they sign that they get them that deal so that they can give them a little bit of money and then say okay we've got you in with our guys we've given you some money now go play with the go-go next year instead of the memphis hustle because tommy shepherd has said it publicly and people inside that organization have have, have discussed it internally they want to really use the go-go this year 
as a AAA team. That's how they want to be able to use it. And so they, they want to get guys like Tarek Phillip who who they have. You know, the reason they signed Tarek Phillip is because they it, it was based on their – they have an internal analytic model, and I'm not sure of the specifics on it. I'm not sure exactly what it says, but they have an internal analytic model, which they are relying on a lot under Tommy Shepard. And there was something in that – something in their algorithms said – Tara Phillip is supremely undervalued in the G League, and I don't know what it is. I would love to find out. I haven't been able to find out. But I do know it was based on – that was an anal, analytics-driven signing. And uh, you, know, you, you bring him in, and that, that's, that's testing their part of their new model. And you have – maybe you send Schofield. You use him in the G League for a year, and uh, – you know, maybe you send him overseas for a year. You have a couple other people who bring with the G League. They really want to use it as, as close to a AAA model as you can use within the realm of the NBA's rules. And those sorts of guys, these guys who they're signing and they're giving the small partial the, the guarantees to, those are the guys that you could potentially send to the G League and have with the G League. I, I just, I thoroughly, thoroughly doubt the vast majority of those guys are on the roster come the start of the year, especially like you, like you mentioned, if they're going to bring over Aaron White as well, who was their second-round pick in 2015 and has been playing overseas for a number of years since. Like, I just thoroughly doubt that those guys, some of them will, but the majority of them I really don't think are going to be on the roster. But you say the majority. I mean, obviously, like, Hachimura, Troy Brown, Mahimi, I mean, unless Mahimi gets traded. No, I mean the like majority of, like, the, the extra guys yeah. that you mentioned. Yeah. Right, right. But, I mean, it, like, I mean, Jordan McCrazy either on the team or he's gone. There's no G League there's no yeah. go-go, at least, for, for, for him at this point. Yeah. Um, so, so he's that. And you're right, Tariq Phillip, I mean, part of the reason they made the move when they did was that they have the whole summer to get a look at him. He's bring him in for workouts, work with their training staff, see if actually, like you said, their, their, their models hat were onto something <clears throat> with this kid, for, for sure. Um, I, you know, even if you take him off, for whatever reason, he becomes a two-way guy, he goes back to the G League, whatever the, whatever the thing may be, um, you know, I'm just saying, like, I don't think there's as much, like, just straight-up roster spots. Like, to the point of, like, we think about free agency and how many guys can they bring in. I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be stunned if Schofield's not on this team. Now, granted, Aaron White was also a guy that had a lot of experience in college, and they told him to go away, so to speak, and go and go play in Europe for a while. But that Wizards team was, like, legitimately trying to contend for the playoffs and trying to make stuff work. I feel with, with Schofield – it feels like it's a move towards, hey, we need to real, we need to establish a culture, a baseline. And this guy, tough guy, played four years at, at Tennessee. He's somebody who I think can do that and may have more value to them by actually trying to help. Whereas like Aaron White, he was just going to not play because they were trying to win and you had veterans and all that kind of stuff. Uh, again, like you said, obviously there's because to, to your original point, a lot of these guys are not with guaranteed deals or they haven't signed or whatever. Gives them options. I would just wonder, for me, if, you know, other than maybe Tariq Phillip, that these other guys have a better better than 50-50 being on the team, and therefore there just may not be a lot of um, spots. But by the way, with John Wall, that means that he, let's just say he's effectively the 14th guy. Um, I, it will be also in- interesting to see if the Wizards actually do use the 15th spot, knowing that Wall won't be um, playing much, if not all, you know, all of the season uh, this time, yeah, I think they probably will because I 
thoroughly doubt they're going into the luxury tax, so there's really no reason for them to try to evade it. You know, you normally see the teams that don't use the 14th spot. They're they're trying to bog down their luxury tax bill, and I don't think that's going to be a problem for them next year. Also, just a quick note, Jonathan Simmons is technically on the roster right now. The reason why we're talking about him like he's off is I, I, mean, I don't want to speak for you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but at least I am under the assumption the Wizards waived a physical when they traded for him. Like, they... They everything of the way they're operating. Jonathan Simmons has five point seven million dollar salary next year, but only one million of that is guaranteed if he gets waived before July first. So I'm under the assumption that at some point in the next five days or so, the Wizards are going to be waiving Jonathan Simmons. And the reason that they included him in that deal is basically they sent two million dollars to Philadelphia, so Philadelphia would send them the number forty two pick with the with which they drafted Schofield, uh, and they took on Simmons. So if they waive him, they're basically saying, we'll pay the $1 million to Simmons as opposed to you guys paying the $1 million for Simmons. So essentially, they paid $2 million to Philly, and then they paid $1 million to Simmons. They essentially paid $3 million for that second-round pick, which is basically market rate. I mean, totally totally normal. And who cares what they pay anyway? It's not luxury tax. It doesn't go into your salary cap. It's just basically, does your owner want to pay money to make your team better? And uh, the answer in this case was yes. Ted Leonsis wanted to pay money to make their team better. So I think that is something, by the way, that Wizards fans should be very encouraged about because that is a turn from what they have done in the last 10 years or so. And uh, that, that should be a thing that should be Really encouraging. Uh, let's let's move on because we don't need to repeat ourselves on this anymore. Let's let's move on to the guys. I we both know they would really like to re-sign Thomas Bryant. I think he is going to be asking for ten million dollars a year. Um, sources close to the Athletic say that he should be he'll be asking for about that. I I don't know if the Wizards are going to climb that high for him. That's a lot of money for an offensive-minded center. He is a very talented offensive-minded center. I had somebody pretty recently with the Wizards tell me that Thomas Bryant works as hard as any player he's ever worked with. And you basically hear that kind of stuff about Thomas Bryant, maybe not in such you know hyperbolic terms. Uh, I shouldn't say hyperbolic because maybe it's not hyperbole, but in such extreme terms. You hear that stuff about Thomas Bryant all the time. The dude just works like a maniac. He doesn't just play hard, but he is in the gym all the time he's working he's he's texting coaches asking hey can you come in early with me i want to work on this and that is why thomas bryant improved and i think the wizards want to bet on his character i think the wizards want to bet on the fact that he had an excellent offensive season last year he had the best field goal percentage in the restricted area of any player in the nba not any big man not any big man with so-and-so minutes of any player in the NBA, he had the highest field goal percentage in the restricted area. He was close to 75% there, which is totally and completely ridiculous. Great role man. He's going to be able to shoot the three consistently. I don't think anybody disagrees on that point. He is a really good modern-day offensive center. But the problem is the market for offensive centers nowadays, even if you're 21 years old like Thomas Bryant, is pretty bogged down. I've compared it for football fans to basically the market for third-down running backs. That's basically what they are. If Thomas now, now, because of that work ethic, if Thomas Bryant continues to improve at this rate offensively and becomes a really good offensive center, he's already really good, but really does it for 28 to 32 minutes a night. And because he works so hard, the defense changes because he kind of has physical tools. He has pretty quick feet. He just doesn't know where to be or when to be there. He doesn't, uh, he miscommunicates often. It's not an effort thing. 
No one's ever going to say that dude doesn't play hard every single second. It's not an effort thing. It's just he looks like he's a 21-year-old trying to play defense against NBA players thing. If he gets better because of the work ethic, all of a sudden you've got a pretty good deal. And I think that's what the Wizards would be betting on if they gave him all that money. But I don't know if the market is going to dictate that he gets that much just because that's not what offensive-minded centers get these days, you know? 100%. Plus, he's restricted. So, that I mean, in and of itself, that's going to have some teams going, eh, we don't want to get tied up with an offer sheet situation and have that hanging out for a few days. Uh, so, so I'm just naturally, that's probably going to um, maybe not lower his market. As we saw with Otto Porter, it just takes one team to say, here we go. But maybe it limits the, the potential list of suitors. Um, to, to your point earlier, like I, I've been under the long assumption that if I'm the Wizards, I think they agree with this, but, you know, who knows until, until we get to the, to, to the finish line. I'm not signing anybody to more than a one- or two-year deal. So in a worst-case scenario, and I know people are saying worst-case scenario, I mean, like, now? No, no. I mean, like, the real worst-case scenario, like, in two years, Bradley Beal leaves in free agency. I, I don't want to have tons of money on the books where now I'm like, I lost Bradley Beal and I'm, you know, got, got guys on the team I don't that aren't going to help, help the cause. So I wouldn't sign anybody to more than a one- or two-year deal. But the one exception, at least of the – their own current free agents would probably be Thomas Bryant. I mean, he turned, he'll be 22 this season. So you sign him to a four year deal, worst case scenario, you know, we're talking about he's 26. So you'd like to think, even if he doesn't improve leaps and bounds defensively or in other metro ways, there's lots of room to grow just based on his age. And like you said, I mean, he just works very hard. He's so enthusiastic. I mean, the amount of people last year who, who in, in a season that was just, such a downer who just constantly seemed to lighten up and smile whenever the conversation turned to Thomas Bryant. I, I don't think that can be ignored. And when you're trying to change the culture in a place, I mean, you know, not that he's going to be a locker room leader, but he can definitely be an example that the coaching staff or Tommy Shepard or whomever can point to for Hachimura and the other kids and say, hey, watch that guy. Do what that guy does. So, um, I, 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 th- I mean, I don't know if, like you said, it's possible they get priced out. Um, if somebody offers, you know, four, you know, four for forty, if, if the if the uh, if the ten million per year thing is actually a thing, I mean, maybe the Wizards are like, ah, you know, that's a little bit rich. But he he's the one exception for me, I think, where I'd say I'd go over the two year threshold and just hope that you know you can get a number that that's reasonable, you know, less than what what, what you were just saying. Um, and, I, and I've heard I've heard some more things as well. So if you can get a number less than that, and he, I, I might be willing to to go for the four years on him just based on his age, where I'm trying to grow as a franchise, and and what he brings from a energy uh, and effort standpoint. Not to mention, like you said, he he can make a shot or two. Yeah, and and here's the thing, um, there are I can think of a lot of good fits for him just off the top of my head, like. Sacramento could use a center, and I think they're going to take some big swings for big-name centers, and if they miss out on them, Thomas Bryant, Thomas Sadoransky, these guys are restricted. They're the types of players who could linger late into the free agency period. You know, come July 15th, these guys could still be free agents, which, by the way, if the Wizards are intentionally waiting till the end of free agency to make a permanent decision about their GM, that could push back their actual... GM process. 
um, just because those guys could linger late. Like they are second tier, third tier restricted free agents. They're not max guys. They're good players who are restricted free agents. And like you said, teams don't want to tie up their cap space for 48 hours by making an offer to Thomas Sadoransky or Thomas Bryant only to find out that the Wizards matched and they missed out on other free agents. So they wait to make those offers late and the players and their agents hold out on them. And so you could end up not having a Thomas Bryant signing until July 19th or something like that. And if that's the case, you might have some teams that missed out on guys who could use a center making a move. I could see Thomas Bryant working very nicely in Sacramento, which has a really young core. Willie Cauley-Stein's a free agent. They could use a center. I could see him working really well with those guys. I could see Thomas Bryant as 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 a guy, if, if Dallas misses out on big names, Dallas misses out on Al Horford or whomever, you know what? Kristaps Porzingis, if he's healthy at the four, would really be a very nice compliment to Thomas Bryant. Both guys shoot the three. You could have Thomas Bryant roll with Porzingis around the perimeter. You could have you and defensively, you know, Porzingis being a rim protector at the four, which is rare, would really mask a lot of the problems that Thomas Bryant has. Like there are places where Thomas Bryant could fit as a starting five, and he fits the timeline of those guys. You know, Luca is obviously young as hell. Porzingis is still in his early mid-ish 20s like was was Porzingis 24 now 23 like Thomas Bryant's 21 he'll be 22 next year like he fits the timeline of those guys there are places where Thomas Bryant is a good fit he's gonna have options I I doubt the market just craps out on him uh before we move on to our next guy I want to do something and everyone's gonna hold us to it and when we're wrong everybody's going to hate on us uh oh boy Thomas Bryant where does he end up what's his contract I'll say he's back, and I'll say I could be way off on the, the money stuff. I'm always way off on. Uh, Good. I'll go like three for twenty four. Oh, like he doesn't that's get, literally the exact thing that I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think the rest, ultimately the restricted free agency. I mean, yeah, he'll have suitors, but you know, everybody's gonna everybody's gonna know the Wizards can match, and you know, so. Uh, so that just seems like a compromise, whether there's no offer sheet or or there is or something, you know. But anyway, that's what I'll go. So look at that. We're, we're, we're two days. We're working together, and we're already you know in lockstep. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky, I think he's going to end up back in Washington too. I think he will end up having some suitors because he fits really nicely, and while he is. He is a point guard. He's not really a ball-dominant point guard. And with the way that the league is today, so many just kind of off-guards and, and and those sorts of types of player, combo guards who just kind of run your offense. And then you have a point guard kind of off to the side who can secondarily do stuff, who's a good catch-and-shoot guy. Sadoransky doesn't really score. He's not going to score from beyond the three-point line off the dribble, uh, which means that Guys are going to go under picks against him, which means that you're not going to really run him. He's not a pick-and-roll guy. He's not going to score out of isolation, but he is a very good catch-and-shoot guy. He's a very good team defender. He's good guarding the ball. He can guard multiple positions. He can play the one. He can play the two. Uh, The Wizards play him at the three. I don't really think he's a three. I don't think a lot of other teams would do that, Uh, but he works well against with a guy basically like Bradley Beal, and he's just a smart guy. team uh can do you just fits into most teams like i can't really think of a team that could use a point guard 
that could use like a third guard, which I think is what his market's going to be. I think it's going to be third guard market. I I can't really think of a team that could use a third guard and say, nah, he doesn't really work there. Pretty much anyone who could use a third guard, Thomas Sadoransky would be a nice fit. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I, could, I mean, he... I mean, he's one of those guys, and I suspect you have the same reaction. That, like when you talk to people around the league about the Wizards, um, you get past sort of chaos of stuff. Uh, but uh, not just now, but I mean over time, whenever he comes up, it's almost like a universe. There's like a one big Thomas Adaransky appreciation uh, fan club thing going on out there. Just people really like his game. Doesn't mean they like 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 him as a 30 minute a game player. Or as a starter, but th- but they like him, and, and it comes from all types of teams and all types of systems. That he just feels like a guy who just has a good feel for basketball, and people would like him on their team. Yes, yes, I agree, and he's just pretty good at all the non-stat stuff on both sides of the. Do you ball. think? I, 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 you've probably looked at this more. I mean, we both looked at this, but I haven't thought about this in the last day or so because I've been a little busy. Uh, but this is a there are a lot of guards in free agency this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I've heard Bill Simmons talk about like I got two thirds of the starting point guards in the league spots are up in the air on some base level. I wonder if that works against Sadoransky on some level because nobody's going to like you said probably view him as a starter, right? Well, I think and, he's and a those third are the guy. plays, right, right. And so those are the plays that are going to happen. And once money starts going around for these other things, are they going to our team's going to want to spend potentially? money for another guard. Not that, that they wouldn't, but just it's it's possible he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, which could help the Wizards. Again, I, I do think he'll have interest, but the, just simply from the fact that, you know, so much of free agency is always timing. Uh, what year did you come out? Do you come out in a year where there's lots of free agents, or do you come out in a year where there's, uh, you know, the, 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 it, it, it's a pretty uh, open open space at your position that, you know, these things matter. And he, he I think with him, it's just, there's a lot of guys this year uh, at point guard. Yeah. I mean, you look at Sadoransky though. He's not the best backup point guard in the league. Best backup point guard in the league. Is, I mean, I guess if, if you consider Lou Williams a point guard, it's Lou Williams. Otherwise it's, you know, Fred Van Vliet or whatever else. Uh, but he's, he's up there. He's a top 10 backup point guard. I mean, he's good in that in that realm, and you got more than half of the league with with a significant amount of cap space. You got everyone who's got their mid level exception, which my guess is that is what will be his market, something around the mid level exception. Uh, my guess is he will get something around that three year range. And you look at these teams that could use backup point guards and use a good culture guy, which Sadoransky absolutely is. Another hard worker, another guy who teammates like, who people like playing with because he's always going to be looking out for other dudes on the court. You know, Atlanta just traded for Evan Turner, and I I guess my guess from just the way that they structured that trade because they gave up Kent Bazemore and Turner who are like similar positions, similar salaries, similar spots in their careers. Like it's basically my guy. I think my guy is better than your guy from both teams. But maybe they want to use Evan Turner partially as a backup point guard, but he would fit with with Atlanta. I mean, he's he's not super young; he's twenty seven, but he's not old. Uh, you look at other teams. You know, Detroit has really depressing guard play. Uh, you know, Charlotte could be overhauling their guards and could use some stuff. Like there are teams out there that could use a backup guard like that. Chicago could use that. Maybe Chicago just takes on all the former Wizards. Maybe they just they have Otto and they have. Sato, and maybe that's what they do. But they're like there are teams that could easily use uh, Memphis. There are teams that could easily 
use uh, a guy like him and uh, Utah. There, he's such a jazz player, right? Like he couldn't you so easily see him playing for Quinn Snyder? Like there, there are teams out there that 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 makes sense. They they totally make sense for Sadoransky, and so I I think there is going to be a market for him. But like we talked about earlier, I just think the market is going to show itself a little bit later. Like it's not going to show at the beginning of the moratorium on July first. It's going to show July fifteenth, unless of course the Wizards are like. Because here's the thing, the Wizards need to resign him. And the Wizards might give him a little bit more than they anticipate getting him to make sure they sign him early in the season so they can hedge against getting Otto Portered late in the free agency season. And what I what I mean by that is... Otto Portered. Yes, nice. that's a verb now. What I mean by yeah. that is Otto Porter signed a max offer sheet with Brooklyn a few years ago. And... The Wizards were in a position where in order having Otto Porter at any price, they deemed to be better than not having Otto Porter at no price. So they had to match on that Otto Porter max deal when they didn't really want to pay him a max deal. But Otto Porter was good enough to where having Otto Porter at any price was just better than not having Otto Porter. And with John Wall potentially out for the entire season, John Wall out for, at the very least, the vast majority of next season. They're going to need a point guard. And when their only free agency tool is the mid-level exception, they have a trade exception, which is a Markeith Morris trade exception worth $8.6 million. So they can – that's about what the mid-level exception is. Mid-level exception is about nine. So they can use that to bring somebody in too. But they've only got the mid-level exception. If they can't sign somebody to a a point guard to a mid-level exception – who the hell is their starting point guard? Then not only are they keeping Jordan McRae, but is Jordan McRae their starting point guard? Is Bradley Beal their starting point guard? Like, what in the world are they going to do? Are they going to have to bring back Chase and Randall and make him there? Like, they are going to be in serious trouble at point guard. And you know what? If you re-sign Thomas Bryant, you have these young, you have a, a young rookie big in, in Rui Hachimura who they view as a four. Like, you need a point guard uh, just a competent point guard to get him the ball. Like, screw being good in the 1920 season. Like, you just need someone to get your bigs the ball so they can develop and not develop bad habits and, like, actually bring them along. And Thomas Sadoransky is a guy who is easily good enough to do that. And the thing is, if you wait on Thomas Sadoransky and the free agent market dries up, like, it is possible that some team out there that still has cap space that likes Thomas Sadoransky and knows that it's going to put the Wizards in a difficult position is like, all right, let's give Thomas Sadoransky three years, $45 million because we know the Wizards have to match. And then they're stuck in a situation where not only are they unable to get a point guard because they don't really have the tools, but a lot of the other point guards who maybe they would have been able to sign have already signed because it's July 18th. Uh, and they're like, man, we've got to match on this and now you're paying Tom Sadoransky three years, forty five million, when if you had just gotten him up front and maybe the Sadoransky market was around the mid level exception, we were like, all right, we'll give you ten mil a year. Uh by the then way, by the way then you, you, you hedge against that, you know? So I I, I I do think just based on logic, I think that's a possibility in how they approach him. And he could be a guy who maybe doesn't go as late for that reason, because the Wizards just have to make sure that they can they can get him back, I think. By the way, when you earlier said something about the 1920 season, my first thought was, wait, 
What did Fred just say? What did he go back in time? Nineteen twenty. <laughs> oh wait, I got it in nineteen dash twenty. So that I, I have to recalibrate, recalibrate my brain for that yes, one. Going the recovery, forward. the recovery from the Black Sox scandal was a big deal. <laughs> right. Um, you know, one thing that Tommy Shepard has said, or he said the other day, uh, you know, in his first ever public comments in this in this current position, he made the point of saying that the Wizards have something that people out there will like minutes, right? Hmm. That the Wizards. I mean, we just went through this earlier about what this potential six to fourteen thing works, and you know, regardless of whether everybody comes back or not, that's something of a motley crew, or at least a young group with the rookies there's an opportunity for minutes and specifically that's true at the point guard spot I mean even if they want to play Troy Brown there some they don't have a starting point guard they don't have a backup point guard right now I'm not counting Dustin Robinson so there are effectively 48 minutes or let's just maybe maybe 40 minutes a game if we're going to assume Beal plays some minutes there as well that's a lot to work with and that goes both for the guys on the outside but it also goes to Sadoransky. We just established that he's not a third guard. You know where he starts? But if he plays for the Wizards. Because they don't have anybody else. He starts at least this year. John Wall comes back next year. Different story. And I do suspect on some level how he views Scott Brooks, views him, comes into play with some of this. Same point without looking way ahead. You know, we'll see a Scott Brooks here beyond this season. I mean, I'm not saying he's not, but that's you know, going into a last season of a contract, that's always a, an interesting point. So I think there's a lot in play for Sadoransky. Money is everything. We get that. Like, right? I mean, you're not turning down money, but are you taking a little bit more money to play 18 minutes a game for, I'm making this up, um, Utah? Or are you playing, are you taking a little bit less to play 30-plus minutes a game for the Wizards? I, I do think that could be something that works in the Wizards' favor. But to get to the... To, to jump ahead, you're going to ask me, do I think he's back? And I'll say this, that I think it's going to come down to the years. As I said before, I wouldn't sign anybody, to uh, you know, for the most part, to more than a two-year contract. And I think that includes Sadoransky. I, I, I think the Wizards have – I mean, I'm with you. They kind of need to keep him, and they're limited with all the you – know, from a salary cap perspective about what they can and can't do in the free agency – but I do think there's a price where they'll just say, eh, we're, we're not there. And, you know, does his side say, now nah, we do want to kind of test this market more. We do think there's a three-year deal out there. I think if it gets to three years, I'm going to say he's not back. If it's two or less, he's back. Well, what's your prediction on the deal? you got to give me a real prediction. And if you're wrong, you're already fired from the athletic. <sighs> I'm going to say he's not back. I think somebody gives him a three-year deal, and the Wizards say we can't do it. And I am going to guess. These are all guesses, by the way. These are these are not based on. I don't know what they are going to negotiate on. I don't want the aggregators out there being like, "Ah, oh, this is what the Wizards are thinking." No, this is what I personally am thinking. Uh, I'm going to guess because this is just how I would do it. I would overpay him on on July 1st and give him a, a couple extra million a year uh, and a two-year deal. So I'm going to say he is back. Because the thing is, if you have Thomas, the problem with years, there's only a problem with years if you can't trade the dude. Now, I think Thomas Sadoransky is going to be tradable if he's got one year left. Uh, 
But I'm, so I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say 22 million over two years back with the Wizards, and that he. Uh, yeah, I think that's my guess. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I, I think. I think that is a totally fair guess. And like I said, if the I mean minutes, the one place he's guaranteed effectively to get minutes is here. So if somebody else might offer more money for three, he's not going to be playing thirty minutes a game. So um, my I guess my lean is towards the money because he didn't make a ton, relatively speaking, with the Wizards. Your lean is towards effectively the minutes, which is a totally reasonable way to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, look, we we don't know. We don't know. By the way, if what I'm saying is correct, the Wizards have a little bit over $90 million guaranteed on the books for next year. The luxury tax line is projected to be about $132 million, so they've got about $42 million to play with on that front. If they re-sign Thomas Bryant for $8 million a year, and obviously we're rounding the numbers because it could progressively go up, but if they're re-signing Thomas Bryant for $8 million and Sadoransky for 11, that brings them to about $109 million guaranteed, uh, $110 million guaranteed for the 2019-20 season. Uh, that means they've got about $23 million to go short of the luxury tax. So, so they'll have they have wiggle room under the tax line. Like they're they're still fine if they re-sign those guys to deal similar to that. And obviously they got Jabari Parker out there. They got Bobby Portis out there. Uh, they got some like if they if they re-sign guys to those sorts of deals, they they've got wiggle room. They could still use their mid-level exception and be under be under the uh, the tax like and, and be okay and fill out the roster with with minimums and that kind of stuff. So so they'll be they'll be fine on that front. Uh, let's talk Bobby Portis. And I think I don't think we need to spend as much time on Bobby Portis. I don't think Bobby Portis is as likely to be back because let's face it. Uh, they, at least Scott Brooks, thinks he's redundant with Thomas Bryant. Didn't play them that much together this season. And um, Bobby Portis wants a lot of money. And if Bobby Portis is your third big man, if he's your backup four and occasional five, you are not going to pay him. He wants $16 million a year. He turned down eight figures in an extension with the Bulls last fall. If somebody gives him that money, you're not going to pay him that if you believe he's a backup big man. And you're not going to give Thomas Bryant all that money if you're not going to start him over Bobby Portis. I personally think Thomas Bryant has more promise than Bobby Portis does. Uh, Bobby had some of the worst rim protection numbers of any player at any position uh, since Second Spectrum started making that data public in 2013. So that's over a six-year span where Bobby Portis really – of any five, any guy who plays the five has the worst rim protection numbers, period. Like, guys shot almost 75% against him on shots he contested at the rim. Basically, if someone was taking a shot against Bobby Portis at the rim, Bobby Portis turned them into Thomas Bryant. Uh, that That is a problem if you're going to be a five. He doesn't quite have the foot speed to guard modern-day fours, so you've got trouble at defensively as a four. Uh and uh, he is one of the best shooting five men, one of the best shooting big men in the NBA. He's he is all he is officially an excellent three point shooter, which is a wonderful trait to have. He is not a great Absolutely. playmaker off the dribble. As the four position evolves, I think becoming a playmaker at the four is going to be the thing. Now that we have stretch fives, we're going to have playmaking fours, not just stretch fours, but playmaking fours. Bobby Portis is not quite a playmaking four. He's a wonderful stretch four, and he's a wonderful stretch five in terms of his shooting. Uh, he's not. He, he makes plays in the post. 
He's a pretty good post-up guy. He's not quite a good enough post-up guy to where it's going to be efficient offense for you to run your bench units through it or obviously run your first unit for it through it. I think there are people in the Wizards who kind of agree with what I am saying. I think Bobby Portis is a good player, but if you have Thomas Bryant, uh, I just don't think he is somebody who fits as well with your team as he might somewhere else. Yeah, I I, I, I agree, and I don't I don't really need to repeat anything that you just said. <laughs> one one thing I will note: so back in without this is an entire other podcast slash therapy session for me. But back in 2017, when the aforementioned Otto Porter was given that offer sheet by Brooklyn, the, the notion that the, I had at the time was if you let anybody who thought that they, the Wizards should just not match it, let the guy who was the number three pick in the draft coming off a year where he was, what, top five in three-point shooting and the Wizards had just won 49 games, to let that guy walk for nothing regardless of what it did to the cap at the moment was bonkers. You can't let that guy walk. This is how you, you got to build towards something. Two years later, they're going to let if they if Bobby forget Jabari Parker if Bobby Portis leaves for nothing in free agency, the Wizards will have effectively traded Otto Porter for nothing, and that is a loss. I don't care about. I mean, I get that from a luxury tax perspective that 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 was good, but I don't care. Like, right? I mean, that's it's good for the organization, especially in the losing season. But they had this asset that they got nothing out of it, and that. Is a, that that that's a that's a black mark for me that you couldn't have. I mean, they didn't ha- they didn't have to trade them for or trade Porter for effectively two, you know, you know, guys on expiring deals more or less. You could have traded them for actual assets to keep going forward, but then you would have probably had to take back salary, and then you wouldn't be under the tax. So they made the move towards the tax, not the not the assets. So anyway, that's just that, that's my only note on Bobby Portis. I don't think he'll be back. Uh, especially with the Thomas Bryant thing, I, I agree. It can only keep one, and I would lean towards Bryant. Also, by the way, I hear this stuff about they traded Otto Porter to get away from the repeater tax. I hear that stuff from inside the Wizards. I'm like, that's that's not true. Like, they didn't do that to get rid of the repeater tax. You don't, you don't just pay the tax twice and you're in the repeater tax. You pay a repeater tax when you are paying the tax for the fourth time in five years. The Wizards, if they paid the tax this year would have been paying the tax for the second time in two years. They would have been three years away from from having to pay a repeater tax. Uh, they could have easily gotten out of the repeater tax. Now, when I say easily, I mean they would have had to make an, a deal where like basically they just salary dumped out of Porter, but they did that already this year anyway. Uh, they could have found ways to get out of the tax at some point over the next year or two and get out of the tax for two years. Because they're fine on getting out of the tax. Like, it wasn't the repeater tax. It was to get out of this year's tax. That was why they and, did And also, if John Wall doesn't get hurt the second time, so that, so he only has the one season-ending heel injury, he's but projected to play, be back September, October, they may not trade Otto Porter at all. But once, it, once Wall is out, now you're like, well, crap, we only have four guys under contract. We're already over the salary cap, this is unsustainable. Like I, as somebody who never thought they would trade Otto Porter within seconds of the John Wall injury, said on NBC Sports Washington, my former place, that they would trade him immediately, and that's what happened. So that if John Wall doesn't get hurt, none of this may have happened. But, yeah, regardless, uh, yeah, the the, uh, 
but whatever. We don't have to go there. <laughs> like I said, this is more. This is almost more therapy session than it is uh, Wizards analysis. But, but um, yeah, effectively, you let Bobby Portis go. Even if Jabari Parker stays for a year, we'll get to him in a second. You basically traded Otto for nothing. That and, and not to mention same thing with Ubre, yada yada. So not great, Bob. All right. So Bobby Portis, Wizards or elsewhere, and what's his deal? Definitely elsewhere. I, I don't. I mean, somebody. I mean, I don't know. Is somebody gonna pay? I mean, every time Bobby Portis said, "What was it?" He turned out a uh, what was it? Four years, fourteen per? No, it was less yeah. than that. It was forty something, I think. Well, every time I kept hearing him say that, I was like, "Really?" Uh, no offense, but like, I, I, I'm gonna go like three for thirty six or something like that. So you know, he, like you said, he definitely has a, his shooting is a big weapon, and and, and in a playoff series. You know, maybe he gets abused on one end, but that could be a big weapon on the other end. So I'll go three for 36 from some team that misses out on some of the marquee guys and, and, and needs some front court uh, pop. I am going to guess. I'm getting real specific with this thing, so this is totally going to be wrong, but why the hell not? Go uh, for it. I'm going to guess he's elsewhere on a one-year bet on himself $12 million deal. Oh, I like it. I'm going to guess he's going to bet on himself and try again in 2020 free agency and see if he can get the long-term deal he wants and get a little extra, a couple extra dollars this year because he's on a one-year deal. That's my guess, which is probably going to be wrong. But it's a fun one, so why not? Um, let's just quickly reel through. Let's do let's do Ariza and Jeff Green together. I think they're both gone. I think Ariza's with a West Coast team. I think Jeff Green signs somewhere else with a minimum for a minimum deal. Uh, maybe Jeff Green goes to the Lakers, helps out his buddy LeBron on a minimum deal, uh, and maybe Trevor Ariza goes to the Lakers. Uh, maybe Trevor Ariza goes to the Warriors. They the could Warriors, use a yeah. they could use a shooting wing. Uh, I I I think that something like that is the most likely. I don't see either of them coming back. I can't believe the Wizards did not trade them for second-round picks at the deadline this year and instead just held on to them so they can uh, so they can go elsewhere. The Wizards, by the way, have non-bird rights on both those guys. Now, Trevor Ariza, that means they can only go pay them up to 120% of this past year's salary in order to sign them. Ariza made $15 million, which means they can pay him up to $18 million. So that's no problem. Ariza's obviously not making that much money this year. Uh, but with Jeff Green, Jeff Green made one point five, which means they can pay him up to like one point eight. Uh, keeping Jeff Green did not help them re-sign him. It's not like they have bird rights and can go over the cap to re-sign him. If they traded him and he wanted to be there, uh, he could have just signed with the Wizards for a minimum deal anyway. I think he'll probably get a minimum deal again, and uh, it'll end up being somewhere else, and that's fine. I mean, that's just... It's fine. I don't think it's a huge deal either way, but those guys leave. Yeah, uh, Trevor Reason to the Warriors makes a lot of sense. So, uh, we'll, just, we'll just say that's happening, and, and you've heard that here Trevor first. Trevor Reason uh, back to Houston makes sense, too. Uh... It does, sure, Ab- absolutely. Go. I, I just like Golden State, and I've already determined that's the way it's going to happen. So <laughs> that's just done. Um, what do you think he gets? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm gonna guess mid-level exception. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, so, something like that. I, I mean, especially if you go to a place like Golden State, right? I mean, where they they they're not gonna have much money to play with, but they're gonna have lots of playing time 
what you know because of the Duran injury it, it, in terms of uh, his position. So he could get you know thirty minutes a game on a I don't know if Golden State is a title team anymore, contending team, but obviously a team that's going to get a lot of attention playing with Steph Curry. He'll get open shots uh, and Draymond as well. So yeah, th- that that would make sense for that type of team. But look, he took. One year, fifteen to play for our crappy team last year. So I don't think those offers are out there for him. But you know, from his own personal mindset, maybe he says, "Screw it, give me the money, even if it's to play for you know some borderline uh, playoff team." Took one year, fifteen uh, to play for a crappy team, and then was not happy doing it. So maybe he learned something from that experience. Uh, he also <laughs> he also would like to be on the West Coast. So you know, part of it was that Phoenix is. Pretty damn close to the West Coast. I mean, geography plays into his decision too. So uh, that's a thing that you know, Golden State would obviously help with that. The Lakers would obviously help with that. Um, I don't know. Sacramento's a fun team, and maybe they want a, a vet guy out there because they're super young. I don't think he really fits with their style, but I'm just kind of, you know, throwing geographically fitting teams in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh- and just to, you know, for the record, I mean, he did say on the record that he wanted to stay here, but it just doesn't make logical sense for either side for, for that to work unless he took a really big haircut to stay. And I, I don't see why he would want, want to do that for a team that doesn't look like it's going to be uh, that good. Jeff Green, I think, is a little more debatable only because he's from here. Here's the thing I don't get. Well, I'm with you logically. There should be some vet, some some contending teams out there looking at Jeff Green on a fairly low deal saying, come play with us. I mean, LeBron and Lakers would be an utter no-brainer, but it wasn't an utter no-brainer last year, too. He he was the second-best player on the team that won the East Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. He had some, you know, he was good in the playoffs last year. I mean, yes, there's always the Jeff Green, uh, you know, his up-and-down scenarios, but, like, he had, I mean, his, his highs are still high, and I would say last year for the Wizards, say the first 60 games or so, I think things sort of petered out late. Uh, he was consistent. Like, you you couldn't even make that claim. He's still very athletic. Uh, you know, uh, for reporters, he's, he's a uh, he's a handful in, in spots. I just mean that like he's, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not playing, he's not playing games. But from, for, for those kids in that locker room, I think he's a guy that's, that they, that they like and, 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 and can, you know, learn from and stuff. So, I think the question here is: Does he just is he tired of moving? Je- Jeff Green has bounced around the league a million times. He came home, seemed like he liked it. Does he is he willing to stay? If he's willing to stay for that one point eight number that you said, I, I think there's a chance he could do it. I, I, I'm pretty. I mean, Scott Brooks definitely likes him. We just mentioned all these kids they have. You know, a guy like Hachimura could learn um, certainly on uh, you know the, the league from a guy like Jeff Green. But, man, it just seems like if the Lakers call and say, look, we'll give you the minimum, you can basically be our starter or sixth man. I don't know how you say no. So, I mean, I will say Jeff Green is not back. He'll probably just get a a fairly small number. I mean, one year, something maybe around the minimum or so, and uh, and he goes to a contender. But it honestly wouldn't stun me at all if he's back because he's just tired of bouncing around. Yeah, those are all good points. Worth noting, along with what you said, great relationship with Bradley Beal, Jeff Green. Uh, great relationship with Troy Brown. Troy Brown considers him, you know, guys, young guys say, that's my vet. Troy Brown considers him one of his vets. Uh, great relationship with the front office. Everybody in the front office, you mentioned Jeff Green. They always talk about what a great guy he is. Uh, so 
Yes, those are all good points. I probably shouldn't have sold it as absolutely gone. But my prediction is gone for the minimum to another team. I'm just going to guess the Lakers. Why not? That's a fun one. And uh, my prediction is is Ariza gone for the mid-level exception to a West Coast team. I, I'm I'm with you on on both of those uh, for sure. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about some some MLE candidates. And, and the Wizards obviously have a, a few very large trade exceptions. They fit Jonathan Simmons into the one they created with the Otto Porter trade that was worth six million. They have an eight point six million dollar trade exception. Now remember, trade exceptions are you can remember this from the word trade. I think some people mess this up. You can't fit a free agent into a trade exception. That is literally. If you are a team over the salary cap and you have to match salaries, you have to come within a certain percentage of salaries when two teams are over the salary cap in order to execute a trade. Uh, You don't have to do that if you have a trade exception that is larger than the salary that you're bringing in. So you can fit – if you the Wizards have an $8.6 million trade exception that they very slyly, by the way, created with the Markeith Morris trade. This underratedly very – clever salary cap maneuvering by the Wizards when they made the Marquise Morris trade. What they did was they they had applied for the disabled player exception uh, when John Wall missed the vast majority of the year. And the disabled player exception, you can fit a free agent into it, or you can use it as a trade exception. And so when they traded Marquise Morris for Wes Johnson, instead of, even though the salaries worked and it would have been fine, what they did was they had an $8.6 million uh, disabled player exception uh, for John Wall, and they slid Wes Johnson's $6.6 million salary into that, that disabled player exception as opposed to just taking it into their roster. And that's how they use the DPE. And that created a trade exception because when you slide a guy into an exception in a trade, it creates a trade exception the size of the salaries you're giving out. Markeith Morris made $8.6 million. So that's how they got that trade exception for this summer. Very smart. Like, for for all the crap that Ernie Grunfeld gets, some of it justified, some of it I think a little overblown, that deserves to be called out. That is smart salary cap maneuvering, and that helps them in the long term if they want to get some extra help with the trade exception. It's hard to figure out who they're going to take in with trade exceptions because literally anybody who makes that money in the whole league could be a candidate. I'll have a story out later this week just surmising on some people who could do it, but uh, let's talk about who they could sign for the mid-level. So there's some people out there who I think could be interesting, whether they want to use the whole mid-level, a portion of the mid-level, stuff like that. I don't know if you have a list of free agents in front of you or anything like that. Anybody out there who you think could be an interesting candidate for that? Um, I, I, I've been looking mostly – so I guess for, for me, like obviously the forward situations are wide open right now. And the point guard, depending on what you think of Sadoransky, the point guard I, I was looking at, uh, I, I'll say this, I'll let you throw out the names because uh, I honestly haven't, like, thought about it like that. I mean, I've thought about names, but uh, you've probably thought about it more than me, so rather than me fumble, you throw out some names and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. They could use some wings. Rodney Hood. Oh, could they could use everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, if, there, if there's talent. Take the take the down. Rodney Hood could be a guy in that market. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, regardless of what happens, they need some guys that can score, and, and he can certainly do that. He definitely 
you know, he's one of those guys. I know everybody says that everybody can play with LeBron. Rodney Hood is one example of, yeah, he's probably better off not playing with LeBron. You saw the, the better version of him last year with Portland. And um, so, so yeah, so, so to that end, I, I, I think I could see that uh, for sure as a guy who could, you know, when Beal's off the court, still get you some points. Um, I'm not the biggest Rodney Hood fan, but, yeah, I mean, for where they're at, sure. Uh, one guy I think could be really interesting, Ed Davis signed a $4.5 million deal with Brooklyn last year. He's got non-bird rights, which is that same thing I was talking about with Ariza and Jeff Green, where the Nets can pay him up to only 120% of what they were paying him last year. So if the Nets want to bring him back, they can only pay him up to like $5.8 million or whatever 120% of $4.5 million is. Uh, mid-level exception is nine. Some team could give him the mid-level exception and outbid that. I think Ed Davis had a great year and is a really good player. And if he would be a compliment as a four, as a five, I think better, even though he doesn't shoot threes, better than like a Bobby Portis type. I think he would be an interesting candidate if the Wizards like him. Again, these are people I am throwing out there, not people who I know the Wizards are going to go after. But I, I think well, he could be an interesting one. What do you think of Ed Davis? Well, and from the standpoint of – like, to me, in a year in which, again, I, I, I don't see the Wizards contending, this is, for me, about re- sort of rebuilding everything, including the culture. What do we stand for? Ed Davis is a guy who's very popular in the locker room. He's considered to be a very good teammate. He's also, by the way, of course, the son of ex-Bullet Terry Davis. I, he, it says he was born in D.C. I suspect that's when Terry Davis was here, because I know he grew up Great call. I think, in, the, in the Richmond area. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Ed Davis makes a lot of a lot of sense. You know, w- one thing though, I guess just to circle back, like we mentioned, Jan Mahimi. Obviously, he barely played this year, so we don't have to factor Mahimi in for minutes. But if Dwight Howard is back, I, I mean, we have no idea where he's at physically. But if he is back, even if you bring back Thomas Bryant, that then sort of take you know may have guys like Ed Davis going. Eh. Like, where am, I, where am I playing? He can play the four somewhat, but you know what I mean? Like, at some point, you start to lose minutes. So I, I do think, we, not that we glossed over it, but, like, if Dwight Howard is actually on the team, that, that could change which types of guys were coming. I'm operating that Dwight Howard probably won't be back. Just It's not necessarily inside information, but just sort of a guess uh, with, with a, you know, just based on thoughts from, from talking to people a little bit. But beyond, so if we, if we take Dwight Howard out, I do think a guy like Ed Davis makes a lot of sense. Yes, yeah, uh, good good call, bringing up Dwight. Yeah, I mean, I, my, again, not inside information. I, I, it just seems to me like they could find a way to not bring Dwight back, even if they just give him the J.R. Smith treatment, and they're like, you know what, Dwight, just go home, or or if they just buy him out and say, go find a minimum deal somewhere else where you can get your minutes and you can play, because with the Wizards' priorities, at least what they should be, there's no reason they should play Dwight Howard over Thomas Bryant next year. And if Thomas Bryant is going to get 28 minutes a game, I don't know if Dwight Howard is going to be – if he's just going to be happy getting 18 minutes. And I'm not even saying that he's going to be running around throwing things in the locker room and complaining and killing the locker room vibe. I, I, honestly, from everything I gathered last year, Dwight was fine and pretty well liked in the locker room. Uh, I, I just, I just kind of mean like if you're not happy – I mean, if he's not happy, he's, he's made a lot of money in his career. If he's not happy, he might just want to go somewhere that makes him happy. And if uh, the Wizards aren't going to use him, just like 
let him go somewhere he's happy. So maybe they and they can save some extra money too. So let him go find a minimum deal somewhere else. Send him home until he does. When he finds that minimum deal, just buy him out for the difference in the minimum and let him go find that that minimum uh you know, somewhere else. We don't even know what Dwight's injury situation is going to be, by the way. Like, for all we yeah. know, Dwight's not even ready for the start of the year. Uh, sure. We don't even know what's going on with that. Uh, so that's a possibility uh, as well. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is going to be unrestricted. Uh, you know, he, he can't shoot, but I've always liked Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Um, he defends, he plays super hard, good culture guy, good dude. I just... I've always liked him, and he's not going to cost the full mid-level or anything like that. But if you want to give out a portion of that, he is an interesting guy to me. Um, there are a couple of other – where are the point guards that I had called up somewhere here? I had a couple of point guards. You know, Justin Holiday, not a point guard, another wing who could be interesting. Well, I got I got a name for you. Yeah, give me a name. What about Garrett Temple? Sure. Because he's been here. Uh, he, I mean, from a, if you're talking about like, a, I mean, he's not like a, a forceful personality, but if you're talking culture, lead by example, play defense, do the smart things, I mean, that guy is sort of epitomizes that. Now he's getting up there in age finally, and, uh, you know, he may, you know, if, if there's a, a contending team that says, hey, man, you want to come play with us and, and possibly, you know, you know, be in the rotation type of thing. Uh, you know, maybe that, you know, is something more appealing to him. But, uh, you know, if the Wizards lean on or, or you know, the, like I said, the sort of, uh, you know, resetting the tone, I mean, he's a guy that knows this team. He knows Bradley Beal. He knows, um, he, well, he wasn't here for Scott Brooks, but knows knows Tommy Shepard and all those guys. I think he could make some sense on, the uh, you know, with the right type of deal. Yeah, I like that. Also, I don't know what Derek Rose's market is going to be. It's possible he gets more than the mid-level exception. He had a great year this year in Minnesota. Uh, but Derek Rose is a guy like you don't get Tom Sadoransky. You need a point guard. He had a great year. Uh, Dillon Wright, he's restricted. I imagine he's kind of going to be in a similar situation to Sadoransky where, um, you know, he's he's not – going to cost a ton of money and he's a second third tier restricted guy kind of like Sato but he's a really good defender uh I think Memphis is probably going to prioritize bringing him back because they brought him there obviously in the Marc Gasol deal and they wouldn't have brought him if they didn't already have an idea of his market and have an idea of what they wanted to pay him and where they valued him uh but he's a guy who could be interesting very good he was a little redundant in Toronto because he, he played the one, he played the two, but they have Van Vliet there as the backup point guard, and Van Vliet obviously as a case is literally the best backup point guard in the entire league. He's a very, very good player. Uh, and, by by uh, the way, like, good. a guy like DeLon, right, like just forget the specific people, like that's the general type of player that the Wizards should be looking at. In other words, can they find a young guy who maybe hasn't been given a, a complete opportunity to, to, to play, that there's still some potential there. Uh, like I mentioned Garrett Temple, that there's no upside there. That's just a strictly we want to try to you know help the young players with some examples and that type of thing. A guy like DeLon Wright, on the other hand, is a guy who, I mean, I, I'm not saying him specifically, but the type of player you could say, hey, he's still young, he's still growing, he's been in the league now for a couple seconds, it, maybe this is the chance or this is the, the time where he can come in and show that there's more there that then he's let on, and maybe the Wizards, you know, find a, a 
find themselves an interesting piece. You know, you, you can you maybe get a guy like that on the relative cheap with the allure of playing time, and now all of a sudden you, you have somebody who, who's ascending with, you know, when John Wall comes back with him and Beal and, and so on. Or it doesn't have to be a point guard. It could be any position. But, but to me, like, that's the type of player I think they should be identifying as much as possible. The younger guy who hasn't quite hit yet, maybe you can get him for a little bit, uh, a little on the cheap, especially when you're promoting playing time. That's a great point. That's a great point. I completely agree. Uh, of course, a lot of those guys are restricted free agents. So you're going to have to figure that out later in free agency. Uh, but that's that's a great point, and that's very true. Wright is the kind of guy who they can be going after and seeing what they have. Derek Rose, they know what Derek Rose is. You don't need Derek Rose. Uh, you can bring in a guy like Wright, good culture guy, plays hard, defends, and see if maybe you got something. And you know what? Even if you sign him to a two-year deal, if you have a 27-year-old point guard who gets more minutes and really gets a chance to show what he can do, playing the one, playing the two, defends his ass off, uh, shows a little more offensively. Like, if you sign him to a two-year deal and then he's going to be unrestricted and you have no say in whether you can keep him or not, you can just hope that he wants to resign. You can get something for that kind of guy in a trade. Everybody wants a relatively young guard or a guard at the start of his prime who is playing pretty hard and maybe he's a third point guard but like or a third guard I mean but you can you can get something for a guy like that you know that's that's when you use those guys you sign them and you just start to reel in assets for them and that's how you rebuild that's how you restructure that's how you kind of load up with draft picks even if they're second round picks like that's better than not having second round picks that's kind of why we were reaching back to them not trading Ariza not trading Jeff Green it's like Jeff Green was having a good year up until the deadline they 100% could have gotten a second round pick for Jeff Green they totally could have gotten a second round pick for Trevor Ariza someone out there would have wanted Trevor Ariza uh they didn't do it they didn't do it because they wanted to keep contending but those sorts of deals that's when you sign these smart trades, even if your team is not good in the 2019-20 season or the 2020-21 season. In your next two years, you're just kind of stuck with 50 lost seasons. What you can be doing with these smart signings, even if they don't help you get good, you can flip them and you can get either good young players back who can help you when you do become good or some draft picks who can help you when you do become good. And and that's that's how you do this thing. So just Making sure, I think, like, if we're going to conclude with one message that has to be the case, I don't care as much about the years on the contract, uh, and I don't care as much about the numbers on the contract. Like, if they sign a three-year deal, but it's a fair three-year deal, that's fine. Uh, because then Bradley Beal is up in 2021. He goes somewhere else, and uh, obviously the Washington Post quoted Bradley Beal today at the awards show from last night after he won the community assist award saying that uh the wizards told him that they would not trade him uh but if bradley beal leaves after 2021 let's say and you've still got some extra salary on the book if it's good salary for a good player that's movable what you want is guy just signing people to smart deals and if you sign smart and fair deals, they don't have to be ultra team friendly. They just have to be fair to where somebody looks at him and says, okay, I would pay that to have this guy. And that's it. And if you do that and that's what you center your offseason around, that's good offseason. 
even if your team does not get demonstrably better, even if you lose 53 games next year, the Wizards are obviously starting from behind. If you do that, then you've had a good offseason. And I think that's a, a reasonable, realistic, and, uh, and, and plausible goal for the Wizards over the month of July. Yeah, I, I think that's a totally reasonable point. It is fun to, 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 to contemplate the specifics. What about this guy? What about that guy? But, yeah, the broader the broader goals are, are, are much more important to keep in mind, and that is uh, that that is a, 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 a definite one. Um, I, while you were talking, I was paying attention to every word you said, but I had a list in front of me, and my eyes may have wandered. I came up with a couple names here. You, do, do we have? Do we want to keep going, or do we need to go? No, no, we don't need to go at all. Keep going. Okay. Uh, you were because you, you're right. A lot of the younger guys are restricted free agents, but some not, but not not all of them. What about Alfred Payton? Yeah, he was really good in New Orleans. I think he could be more too expensive for them. That could be possible. Yeah. I mean, he turned into a triple double machine at the end of this year. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I was uh, I haven't I haven't, and that's probably a good thing to do before for agency. You've probably done it. I just haven't yet. But sort of actually looking at the market. Okay, he, you know, because because this is what I do in like fantasy football and things like that. You, you, how many teams, you know, I, I need this position. How many other teams need this position? Therefore, if I wait past this round, I'll be looking at these number of people or whatever, and I'm, am I cool with that? So, yeah, the question is how many teams actually need a point guard and what, the, where does Alfred Payton fit in? But uh, and, and he's probably looking for a multi-year deal. The Wizards, he probably wouldn't want more than a one-year deal with the Wizards just because of John Wall's situation. But, yeah, he's 25, did have a pretty good year. And, uh, again, from a minute's perspective, the Wizards have plenty. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think he might be – let me find this. How many how many triple-doubles did he have at the end of the year last year? I think he had six triple-doubles in March. I mean, he, he averaged 7.6 assists. He played 42 games, missed early in the season with some injuries. But he averaged 7.6 assists. That's easily a career high for for him as he still can't shoot. Uh, but uh, – Although he did improve a lot of the free throw line, but uh, yeah, the, the seven point six was uh, was was interesting. I I, uh, I thought he was he was he was legitimately good for them after he came back from his injury, like legit good. He was part of the reason why down the stretch, without Anthony Davis, they were they were like competitive. Why they didn't just right. bottom out and be the worst team in the NBA. Uh, obviously, Drew Holiday is the number one reason for that, but he was part of it. He was good. Um, what about Mario Hazonia? I'm not a Hazonia fan, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not really either, but 24, obviously former top 10 pick. He's got a uh, swagger. <laughs> he does have uh, swagger. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm with you. I'm not... I'm not I'm not excited about him, but you know it's sort of like I was saying. You know, there are certain attributes that you know could could you talk yourself into thinking that this guy you know in the right spot, blah blah blah, could be somebody. Probably not. I'm again I'm with you, uh, but you know that that name uh, crossed my mind. Uh, I, I guess there's one name I saw here. I I, I feel like every Wizards fan. Is, is is there's one specific name that they're all going? You guys gotta, you guys have to talk about this guy. He, he's a he's a big name. 
he may somebody may offer him a lot of money, but he may be back to something of a prove it deal, all that kind of stuff. Do we even discuss Boogie Cousins? Sure, let's discuss Boogie Cousins. You brought him up, so discuss him. Well, I mean, obviously, the reason we always mention him in case of the Wizards is because he and John Wall are BFFs. Now, obviously, John Wall's not playing this year, but again, if you're the Wizards, it, it, I mean, Boogie. You know, if you're trying to reestablish culture, I don't know if Boogie Cousins is where you want to go. Uh, but from the standpoint of can you, is there somebody out there that maybe you can get in a situation where you're getting them for? cheaper than, than than what they would be otherwise, that there's a lot of potential. If the Wizards are sort of building towards not this year but next year, if, if you were to somehow come up with a, a, a situation with Cousins where you could have a multi-year deal that wasn't crazy, again, this is where I suspect we'd probably lose it, but um, I, I wouldn't go this route. I'm not a Boogie Cousins guy, but... I, you know, again, I, I hear people clamoring. I, I can hear, I can hear them, Fred. That this is a, this is what they're saying. I, I would say no, but it's that type of situation. A guy who maybe you can get less for than what he would be if healthy, and is it uh, the potential to, you know, like I said, build on something going forward when you get everybody back? He's that type of guy, but there's obviously a lot of baggage with Boogie and somebody out there. But boy, I mean. He, I get it. I granted he was hurt in the in the end, and there were some moments where he was good in the finals. But wow, there were a lot of moments where you're just like, "Whoa, that was rough." So I don't know what his market is. I guess that's sort of my overall point. Even though in, in this year with a lot of teams having a lot of money, you probably imagine somebody says, "Let's go." But I think that's the type of guy you maybe at least consider just from an upside perspective. I don't know what his market is either. He's very interesting. Yeah, he just he just didn't really look good this year. And that could just be because it was a transition year from the Achilles, and then obviously he hurt his hamstring during the playoffs and might not have been 100% when he was when he came back and was playing in the finals. But, yeah, I, I don't really know what his market is either. I mean, how many dudes have come back from Achilles injuries and been as good as they were before the Achilles injuries? Like Dominique Wilkins, who is one of the greatest athletes ever to step foot on planet Earth. Uh, is that it? It's just so rare. Like, Rudy Gay came back, still a pretty good player, but not the same. Um, Wes Matthews came back, came back weirdly quickly, was, like, ready for the start of the next year. Like, one of the fastest Achilles recoveries in NBA history, but not the same guy. Still good. He's still good. He's helpful. He'll get paid this summer, but not, not the same dude as he was when he was killing it in Portland, not the same kind of player. So I, I don't, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, it could be somebody wanting to take a big swing and like, screw it, nobody else is making the offers, let's do this thing. Uh, that's that's possible. That wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if his market played out similarly this summer as it did to last summer either. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm the Wizards if I would add him. If you If you add him on on like let's say a one year deal for the mid level or something like that. A similar type of deal to what he had, you know, with, with Golden State last year. I just I don't really know what he does. Now if he comes and he really kills it and he looks like old Boogie, you know, it's the Eastern Conference. Maybe you win forty two games and you get in the playoffs. Or if it's just he looks like old Boogie but it's just not enough. The roster's not good enough. Um you know maybe 
maybe that's he's a trade candidate and you can get a lot for him at the deadline. So I guess I shouldn't say I don't really know what he does, but based on what we saw this year, the chances of him looking like his former self are I mean they're greater than zero, but they're less than fifty percent. So for a team in this position, I don't really know if it's worth that risk. But but it's you're right, it's worth discussing. There is one thing that he definitively would do. And this is the one thing that you have to if you're if, if we accept the fact that this is a business, it isn't just fun and games that you have to imagine they would have to consider not necessarily Tommy Shepard, but people in a, maybe the other side of the building per se. And that is Boogie Cousins goes on the poster with Bradley Beal. Boogie Cousins sells tickets. Boogie Cousins helps overshadow the fact that this team may struggle, and it gives the perception that this is something that's more interesting than perhaps it is. If you, it, it, I wouldn't necessarily sign him for the, any of that I just said. I mean, I don't, you know. That uh, the business is not what what we're sort of here to <laughs> to discuss, but I mean, I mean, if I tell you that the Wizards signed Boogie Cousins to whatever you know some some reasonable number, I mean, if it's a four year sixty, then that's a disaster probably. But you know, some some well, who knows? <laughs> but if they sign like a, what you said, a one year deal to some sort of degree, that gets a lot of attention. That has the average fan who doesn't sort of pay attention to the subtleties. Uh, the, who, who didn't necessarily watch the NBA Finals with like you know a you know a keen eye towards everything? Uh, you know they just oh my god, Boogie Cousins, ah! and the idea of John Wall coming back at some point that is interesting. Again, interesting from a business standpoint, not necessarily we're trying to reestablish culture. If you keep if you keep him, you're basically likely losing Thomas Bryant, I would guess. So <laughs> there would be downside, but I think hypothetically. Boogie Cousins on the right number would make sense for this team from a business perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a great point too. Anything else before we go? Um No, man. I'm uh just excited to uh to to be here and uh and uh you know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Honestly, I'm just I, I'm just excited for to, to like I feel like once we get the free agency, even though the GM search will technically never end, <laughs> uh, at least at that point it'll feel like okay, there's a team, there's a roster. We can at least sort of think about this team in a, in a legitimate way. I, I, it's just been for me like so disorienting the, the, these last couple of months. The longtime GM is gone. Markeith Morris gone. Otto gone. Ubre gone. Gortat gone. Wall likely not playing. Everything is different from this team other than Bradley Beal. And it's been disorienting. So at least we'll get a, a sense of what this roster looks like. So I'm excited for free agency just from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, Alfred Payton, by the way, in March, had five consecutive triple-doubles. Wow. Yep. Alfred Payton. He was good. He was good this year. Really, you like Corey Joseph, really by the way? I do like Corey Joseph. He's a very good defender. He's a good one. I, I, in my I, head, I like every time, in my head, every time I think if Sadoransky is gone, that's the guy. Like he's not; he's just you know, he's a sort of that le- average replacement level. He's not really a starter, but yeah, he's just solid. I, he's the guy in my head. I always think if you don't get Sadoransky, that that's that's the guy. I don't know if that's the right guy, but that's a guy I always think about. Yeah, that's a good one. I do like Corey Joseph. Good defender, shoots the three. 
competent point guard, doesn't need the ball to be effective. You know, the backup point guards who need the ball to be effective, those are the backup point guards who, unless they're like Lou Williams, aren't that good of point guards because if you need the ball to be effective but you're the quality of a backup point guard, then you are probably, your offense is probably not going to be good enough to where your offense is effective when you have the ball. And so you are requiring your offense to be ineffective for you to be effective. And that's when you have those guys who kind of look good, but are the good stats, bad team guys. And I don't think, I think Corey Joseph is the opposite of that. I think Thomas Sadoransky is the opposite of that. I think Fred Van Vliet is the opposite of that. These guys who are good with the ball, but can play next to starters as as kind of secondary guys while other guys facilitate and they can still seamlessly fit in to their offense. And I think that's what makes these guys such good third guards. Corey Joseph is not on the level of, obviously, a Fred Van Vliet, uh, but he's good. He's a very solid player who plays both ways, and the Wizards could use those types of guys. Um, hey, but. By the way, did we discuss Jabari Parker, or am I having a senior moment? Oh, my God. we I'm having a senior moment. We didn't discuss Jabari Parker. Let's discuss Jabari Parker real quick. You got five more minutes? Uh, Fred, I'm on your clock now. So. We are going long as hell on this one. Let's see. People will be happy. They've, they'll have five days to listen to this podcast, so we're fine. Um, Jabari made $20 million. Wizards declined his team option. Um, my... Yes. So so the thing with Jabari is if the Wizards bring him back, which is possible, if the Wizards bring him back, they are going to want to use him in a similar role to how they did it last year, which means they're going to want to use him, twenty, bring him off the bench, basically be a six-man. He can play his 28, 30 minutes on nights that are good matchups for him. And when he's not going well or when he's going up against a team that's just pulverizing him defensively, then they're going to want to play him 15 minutes. And that's kind of how they view him. And my guess is that's kind of how most of the league views him. Now, there are probably some places out there that would give him a starting role. Those places are most likely bad teams. Jabari is going to have to decide if he wants to be an off-the-bench guy or if he has to start. And I know there are some people internally with the Wizards who are a little bit worried about, like, okay, he was a good soldier last year, but, you know, he was he was very unhappy in Chicago having to come off the bench. And if he were going to have to come off the bench for an entire season from the start next year and that were his role, would he be pleased with that or would it become an issue like it did in Chicago, which is a very reasonable question to be asking because it was obviously a huge issue in Chicago. Um I don't really know the answer, but if Jabari Parker probably does, and if Jabari decides, yeah, it's fine coming off the bench, maybe he's a he's a guy who gets somewhere in the realm of the mid-level exception. Um, his market is a little confusing because people are really in on him, really out on him. Obviously, his body is a question. He's had two major, major, major knee surgeries. People wonder if he's going to be able to play an entire season. He didn't get hurt last year, but he also had a period where he literally wasn't playing which could have prolonged his season. Is he a guy who you have to rest rest progressively throughout the year? Um, Tommy Shepard has openly talked about how, how the Wizards are, are really, really in on guys' medicals and medical analytics and medical histories and all that kind of stuff, and I don't really know how that would affect the Jabari Parker signing. Um, 
he's an interesting case, but I think it kind of all starts with what does Jabari want, and that is going to tell the Wizards, all right, we can we can consider resigning him, or we're going to have to let him go. Yeah, I, I'm I'm super torn on this one in that I was not a big Jabari Parker fan coming into la- when he came in. That like okay, he can maybe get some points, but like you know, he just uh, from a you know again, I keep using the term culture and sort of building things back up. Like that's just not you, you know having a guy who's a volume shooter like that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense if you're really trying to establish sort of what your identity is. But he really was way more effective last year than I than I was anticipating. He showed some pretty good athleticism. His passing, he I mean he had turnovers galore. But like his just in terms of like the type, the, the, the sort of the splashy passes he could make were pretty good. He, his his uh, his vertical was, was better than than I would have thought. And like in terms of just talking to the guy, I, like I don't want to act, sound like he's Nietzsche or anything, but he's a way more like deeper thinker than I would have. I've been having had no real thought about it. Would have would have imagined he actually, as a, you know, when you're asking him questions as a reporter, he's actually listening. He's trying to think about what you're saying and and respond to it. And I suspect that comes across when he's dealing with the team. Felt like Scott Brooks liked him. And look, on a team that, based on all the pieces we've just established, probably will struggle to score next year. It's nice to have a guy who can go off for 20 a game. I, I don't think that you can just ignore that. I don't know what his market is going to be, but, like, you mentioned earlier Portis, like, on a 1 for 12. I mean, I've been sort of saying for the Wizards, if they could get Parker on, like, a 1 for 8, I guess I would, like, consider bringing him back. Once we get to multi-years with him or any number probably bigger than that, you know, I'm probably not that interested for for reasons I just established. But, you know, somebody has to score. You can't just have Bradley Beal take 40 shots a game and – you know, since they're not going to have a lot of opportunities to to, to get anybody else, I, I, I'm surprisingly more intrigued by the idea of keeping him. And I, it's just hard to read his market. But you know, I could imagine a situation where, again, the Wizards say, "Look, we have minutes. You, you're, we'd like you to come off the bench, like you said, but we have minutes available. The second unit is basically all yours. To, you know, be nice to that Rory Hachimura, but be, other than that, do do what you need to." But we'll go like one for eight. I, I, that uh, that could potentially be interesting for 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 me. And you're going to ask me for a prediction, right? Hell yeah! Um, screw it. One for eight. He stays. Okay, I'm going to guess he goes, and uh, close to one for eight. I'm going to guess he gets. Um, you know, what? no, I'm going to guess he goes and he gets the mini MLE. Like around, he gets either a portion of you know some team. You know what? Let me rethink this because I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think he goes somewhere where he's going to get minutes. Probably not a good team. So yeah, let's say he gets the mid-level exception somewhere else. The same thing I said with Trevor Ariza. Elsewhere, although I think Ariza will end up on a good team. I think he'll end up on a on a not very good team, making about nine million. Let's say that. Done. Lock it in. It's happening. Now we're done. We're over. Uh, ben is going to be covering primarily the Redskins for us, but obviously because he can't get away from it, he's still going to be dipping his toe, his his toes, all ten toes in. 
with the Wizards and uh, will be doing Wizard stuff with us as well. Uh, I I saw some people asking and my uh, I'm I'm still doing the Wizards guys now that Ben's here I'm, I'm still all the stuff is still the same so I'm still doing the podcast I'm still doing the Wizards nothing's changing for me uh, we just have even more talent now getting to cover the team which is awesome um, yeah we're this is our free agency preview uh, I will be doing. A free agency podcast again once free agency actually starts again next week uh as always if some major news comes up i'll be doing an emergency podcast until then give us five stars on itunes leave a nice review ben when's uh, your first like not why i joined the athletic piece coming out uh i believe there's a redskins piece coming out Wednesday. I don't know quite about the, anything beyond that for the moment. I, I still, uh, you know, I haven't started a new job in a while, and there's a lot of paperwork, and like I don't know where I don't know where anything I don't know how anything works yet. So I'm still working on that, but hopefully we'll figure out the uh, we'll figure out some other stuff pretty quickly here. Perfect. Uh, so watch out for Ben's stuff. You can read his Why I Joined the Athletic piece up on the Athletic DC. If you listen to this podcast, I feel like there's a pretty decent chance. You uh, you have a subscription over there. I will be coming out with – last week I had a, a, a huge mailbag in which I, I answered some free agency questions. I think that was for part two of the mailbag. You can go back and, and find that on The Athletic DC. This week I'm going to have multiple free agency things coming out. A lot of stuff that we talked about today on Wednesday I'm going to be coming out with stuff on – the Wizards free agents and, and some information in there, some analysis in there. On, on Thursday, I'm going to be talking about guys the Wizards could be targeting. On Friday, I'll I'll have a thing on trade exceptions and all that and maybe people in the trade market who could, uh, who could potentially be enticing for them. And then obviously on Sunday, we've got the start of free agency and uh, we will see what happens. It's going to be interesting for the whole league. It's going to be interesting for the Wizards. Uh, I'll talk to you guys after that starts next week. I'll see you then.